the second book of the Bible. That's our lessons for the past several weeks, actually for the quarter. We looked at Exodus 17, 1 through 7. This morning, we're in uh, Exodus 17, 8 through 16. Exodus is the second book of the Bible. Now, we're going to open in prayer, but I want to do that with a song. So if everybody can turn to, in the red book, 219. <clears throat> 219. <clears throat> this is a very scriptural prayer. And, and in, after we sing this song or sing this prayer, uh, glad to have J.J. back. He's going to read Exodus 17, 8 through 12, and then James is uh, 13 through 16. I'm not spotting them. Are they here? They're right together. J Actually, it's James and James uh, reading for us. But let's, in 219, does anybody know this song? 219, open thou mine eyes, Lord. I don't want to sing a solo. <laughs> Looks like I am, good, okay. Okay, well. Nancy will play it for us, but this is a very scriptural song. It uh, comes from the Psalms. Open my eyes, Lord, that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. You know, I don't know how you all or how we treat the word of God, but this is the word of our creator. And it, it's only logical that if we're going to, 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 to live life right, we'd want to listen to our creator. Is that just, that's just logical. Now, those of us that are here that know the Lord Jesus as Savior, we understand that we were sinners and now we have a Savior by receiving Him by faith. And this salvation is a personal relationship. And God talks to me and I talk to the Lord. If I'm talking to Brother Ron and I'm listening to him and I don't understand what he says, I might say, Ron, could you repeat that again so I can get that right? And this goes on right between human beings. We want to hear each other and understand each other. So when we come to the word of God, this is a good prayer before you read. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, to say, Lord, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things in your word. Let's, let's sing this. It's a prayer and then we'll read. <clears throat> Open thou mine eyes, Lord, that I may behold in thy word rich treasures better far than gold. Let me know my need, Lord, and thy glory see. Grow in grace and knowledge more and more like thee. Open thou mine ears, Lord, let me hear thy voice. And with swift obedience, cause thee to rejoice. 
amidst the world's confusion, speak, O Lord, to me. Guide me by thy counsel, let me follow thee. Open now my lips, Lord, let me speak for thee. Tell of thy salvation bought on Calvary. May I boldly witness to thy saving grace. Win some souls for thee, Lord, ere I see thy face. Open now my heart, Lord, make it now thy throne. Teach me what it meaneth, you are not your own. Live thy life through me, Lord, thy grace magnify. And in this my body, the self-glorified. Right. <clears throat> Exodus 17, 8 through 12. Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim, and Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out and fight with Amalek tomorrow. I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he, he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' his hand, Moses, Moses hands became heavy. So they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat, sat on it. And Aaron and Hurl supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going, do going down of the sun. Uh, picking up from verse 13. And Joshua discomfited... Uh, Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book, and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. For I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nissi. For he said, Because the Lord hath sw uh, sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Thank you, brothers. Here is an episode or a story, a historical happening of the children of Israel. What can we possibly learn thousands of years later from this Old Testament story? Is this just an ancient story that we read and we say, that's for them, that's not for me? No. You know how we know that? 
Because in the New Testament, the Bible says whatever things were written before time were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. These stories are just not dry old historical stories. They're for us to learn. We're going to see with the help of the Lord as we've asked him to, to open our eyes to see what we can learn. And obviously we won't share everything that we can learn from this passage, but we trust to draw a few practical lessons. Now, before we start, we're going to note that we're, we're taking up a little episode, but things have happened already in, this, uh, in our lessons. They're on a journey. They left uh, Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt. They were in bondage, but they were delivered by power, and they were delivered by blood. All right? But... What they encountered on this journey is problems. Have you ever had problems on your journey of life? Well, let's see what we can learn about their problems. They were delivered in Exodus chapter 12 and 13. In Exodus chapter 14, remember, they came to the Red Sea, and, and the Red Sea is in front of them, this body of water, there's mountains on either side, and the enemy is behind them, the ones they served as slaves. And they cried to Moses, their deliverer, why, because there were no graves here? You took us out to bury us in the wilderness? Well, they had a problem, right? The enemy was on them to attack them. So they had problems. In Exodus chapter 15, there was no water. You got maybe two million people, right? And there's no water for them to drink. How would you react? What, what, well, how do you react when, you, when, you know, when, when we get dehydrated, right? We, we have no water. Well, that was their problem. But the Lord led them there. So there had to be a solution. If God Almighty that, that provides water, well, we know he did uh, in Exodus chapter 15. Then Exodus chapter 16. How do you respond when you get no food? Right? We get a little grumpy. We get a little angry. We can't get along with somebody. Even with our own family. Well, they began to complain to Moses. You know, what's wrong with you? Right? Well, they had a problem. Right? Exodus 17. That's where we looked last week. Right? No water again. Uh, and, oh, can you believe what God did? Right in the midst of a wilderness, in the midst of a desert, he made an oasis, right? Out of a rock. <laughs> Who can bring water out of a rock but the creator? All right, then there was this, the, the, what we're going to look at today, an attack by an enemy. And if I was a Bible scholar, I'd say that was kind of like a chiastic, a uh, little diagram, right? Well, anyway, you, you could look at it right in the middle, and they, they span out the, both the same, okay? But I'm not a Bible scholar, so I'm just sharing that with you. They had problems on their journey. This is how we're going to look at Exodus 17, 8 through 16. Under these three headings, and we'll just, we'll just breeze through it in the time that we have available. Problem. They had a problem. How did they select? have a solution for that problem? Prayer. And what was the end result? A promise. All right, so let's go through, just make a few points, and then we'll close and see what we can learn from this Old Testament story. Then Amalek came. All right, then is key, because they had just had a great provision for themselves, this oasis in the desert. They had already been delivered by power and blood, and now the enemy is on them. You know, in, in our lives as Christians, sometimes we think when we become a believer, when we have God on our side, we're going to have no more problems. But that's not the case. 
Then Amalek came, and they had all this trouble. Now, who is Amalek? Well, Amalek <clears throat> is, uh, a, the, is an, an, enemy, an enemy for sure. But it's interesting if we were to go, and we don't have time to look at all the references, but this particular incident is recalled by the Lord himself on a number of occasions. And I'd just like to read or consider a couple of those occasions. The Lord himself said this. Uh, remember, this is later on toward the end of their journey, 40 years, remember. Remember what Amalek. Now, Amalek, we learn from later in the passage, is Amalek and his people in, in verse 13. Uh, we read that. Remember what Amalek did to you by the way when you were come out of Egypt, how he met you by the way and smote the hindmost of you, even all that were feeble behind you when you were faint and weary, and he did not fear God. That's the issue with most the times when, we're, when, we're, when we have problems with life, with people that have no regard or care for God. Now, sometimes it is by other believers. That's, that's a separate issue. But here, it was people that had no concern or care or regard for God, and they... they what are you doing here? They, they give us all kinds of problems, right? Well, that's what happened here. They, he feared not God. Therefore, it shall be when the Lord thy God hath given you rest from all your enemies round about in the land which the Lord your God gives you for an inheritance, possess it. You shall blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven and not forget it. And then later on, hundreds and hundreds of years later, do you think the things that, that, that we ha the incidents that we get involved in d matter to God? You better believe it. They're recorded in a book. You, now, this is serious uh, a serious issue. Sometimes when things happen in our life, we go, oh, sweep it under the rug. I'll just forget about it. God keeps accurate records. Let's get that in our mind. Listen, if you don't know the Lord, there's coming a day when the books are going to be opened. Right? You're going to stand before the Lord. No more mother. No more father. No more auntie. No more priest. No more pastor. And you're going to have to answer for them. Well, God keeps accurate records. Don't think he doesn't. First Samuel chapter 15, the Lord again, he calls to mind these things. Listen to what he says. Thus saith the Lord. Now listen, now the Lord is recalling. I remember what Amalek did to Israel, how he laid, weighed, laid, laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now he says to Saul, go smite Amalek. Samuel fa Saul failed. Uh, but that's another story. So who is Amalek? An enemy. We must we beware. Now they came to fight with Israel. Why did they come to fight? I don't know. Maybe because, maybe because there was this oasis in the desert. Can you imagine how nomads would, would, would respond? You know, water out of a rock? What kind of a thing is this? They wanted to get in on it. I don't know. It doesn't say. All it says is they attacked him. Now how did Moses respond to the problem? We had as our uh, second point of the outline prayer. Right? So Moses said to Joshua. Now, this is the first mention of Joshua. If you're familiar with the Bible, Joshua is a key figure. Joshua of the Old Testament, Jesus of the New, right? The names mean the same. A lot of valuable lessons in Joshua. This is the first time Joshua is mentioned. And it tells us a number of things. Moses was a man of God. He must have had a great deal of confidence in this man, Joshua. I ask you. Do, do, do the, uh, the, the individuals that are spiritually uh, mature have a lot of confidence in you and your, and your ability to lead for the Lord, to walk with the Lord? Moses had a great deal of confidence to call on Joshua to, to uh, be a part in this problem. Moses said to Joshua, choose out men, go and fight. So Joshua was some kind of a general fitted by the Lord to, to, to lead. And he says, go uh, and, and fight 
with Amalek. Amalek's an enemy. By the way, this is the first time that I believe that, the, remember at, at Exodus 14, the Lord said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Israel, Israel did nothing for that battle. But here, he says, choose out men and go and fight. There are times, and we're going to have to, on the authority of the, of the Lord, uh, respond to the word of God and do something about the issues that come up our way. Well, tomorrow I will stand. Now listen to this. This is the logic of Moses. I will stand on the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him, and he fought. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur were introduced to two more individuals, right? Aaron and Hur, we won't take time to go over who they are, but two other individuals went up to the top of the hill, and it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. Now, how does prayer fit into this? Well, just listen to this. The, uh, the act of lifting up the hands throughout the word of God in this very book of Exodus seems to indicate prayer. All right, so... Uh, I could show you that just by one verse, and I have a number of other references, but it seems to indicate prayer. Moses said unto him, Pharaoh, as soon as I am gone out, I will spread abroad my hands unto the Lord, and the thunder shall cease. Many other references could be showed to say that that is a characteristic or an indication of an individual lifting up their hands in prayer calling upon the God of heaven to act on their behalf. So Moses did that, right? When Moses held up his hand, he's, he's, up, on the, he's up on the hill, Israel prevailed. When Moses uh, let down his hands, his hands were heavy. He, uh, they had to, Aaron and Hur had to support him. That Israel prevailed when his hands were up, and when he let down his hands, Amalek prevailed. Moses interceded for the battle below. Now notice about this, this point of prayer that there's more space given to Moses' action of prayer than to the action of Joshua down in the valley. Yes, it's important to fight the good fight of faith, but it is far better to have an intercessor. You know, before we get to the chief intercessor, I want to tell you that we have in this little room here a lot of intercessors that take prayer serious. Prayer is work. Uh, what's his name? Epaphras. In Colossians chapter 4, he labored fervently in prayer. You know, it takes time and effort to go through and pray for the matters that are, that are before us. It, 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 it takes genuine hard work to, to be before the Lord. Prayer is one of the things we often slip in, right? We say, oh, well, we don't need to do that. I've got too many things to do, places to go, things to see. No time for prayer, God. Well, that wasn't the case here. Moses, he prayed and he had helpers as it were he had those that stood by him to intercede with him to hold him up now it reminds us of the lord jesus do you know if you know the lord jesus as your savior the bible says that he's praying for you he's praying for me where in heaven not on the top of a hill on the holy hill of zion as it were in heaven he ever lives to make intercession for us. Oh, I thank God for that. And don't you? That we have the king of the universe praying on our behalf. No matter what my problems may be, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. You don't know about my problems. Oh, I have my problems are so deep. There, you don't know enough. Well, the Lord knows. 
I don't care if they're financial. I don't care if they're social. I don't care if they're physical, mental, what, so, whatever they may be. You can go down the list of whatever problem you have or I have, and we have problems. If you know the Lord, the Lord is watching, and he ever lives to make intercession. This is such a comfort in life to know that the Lord on high, just like Moses on high here was making intercession for the battle down in the valley. Prayer takes effort. Moses was faint while Joshua fought. But praise the Lord for our Savior, whoever lives, to make intercession for us. And what was the result? And Joshua overcame Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Moses, <clears throat> with the rod of authority, right? This rod, Moses, take your rod and go into Pharaoh and throw down your rod that will become a snake. Moses, take your rod and go to the Nile and smite it. It will become blood. Here was the rod of authority from God. And Moses is on high and he's lifting up his hands with the rod of God, helping together by prayer, says the apostle in 2 Corinthians. Prayer is important in our lifestyle. Right? We need, we thank the Lord for the one who intercedes for us on high. And as believers, you know, even Paul the Apostle, the great Paul, the great Apostle Paul, he says a number of times in the epistles, brethren, pray. Pray for us. Pray for me. I need help. Pray. Pray. Oftentimes, you know, when we have problems, and I mean serious problems, people will say something like this. Well, all we can do is pray as if that's a last-ditch effort. Well, it's beyond human ability here, so all we can do is pray. Really? When I have an issue that arises in my life, well, again, whether, whatever category it comes in, and I'm telling you that none of us are exempt, sometimes we think, I'm the only one in the world that has this problem. And we go around. We start, well, the first turn should be to go up and to ask the Lord to intercede for us. Will he always answer the, the way that we want? No. No. But thank the Lord he ever lives to make intercession for us. So Moses on high with the rod of authority. And after this battle, after this battle, right? There's two battles going on. The battle of prayer on the hill. The battle down below uh, of the soldiers. After this, in verse 14, Moses with the rod of authority. We have this banner, Jehovah Nissi. The Lord said to Moses, write, rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. And I will utterly blot, put out the remembrance of Amalek under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nisi, the Lord my banner, because the Lord has sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. So we ended with a promise. What is the promise? That God intervened for the children of Israel. He caused them through Moses, the intercession of Moses and the leadership of Joshua to win the battle, right? There was a promise here that, that resulted in this battle. The Lord will have war. The, the, the expressive name, by the way, if you, you see in the background there, it, the Lord is known by a number of names in the Old Testament. Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Sidkenu, Jehovah Jireh, so forth. Here it's Jehovah Nisi. Right? I may not be pronouncing that right, but it's the Lord my banner. 
right? And what this expressive name does for us is it serves as a memorial to the posterity, right? They built an altar and he called it Jehovah Nissi, right? So every time the posterity could see or look back, be reminded of this altar, it was the gracious help of Jehovah that intervened for them in their problem. The enemy attacks. As a believer, you and I, if you know Christ as Savior, we have a threefold enemy. The world, the flesh, and the devil, right? And always bombarding us. We're talking about in Ephesians, so you know, the shield of faith because the fiery darts of the wicked. We could go into a whole thing about the enemies that the believer faces. But we thank the Lord that he is able to intervene on our behalf. Isn't it great to know that the God of heaven, the Lord of glory is for me? <laughs> I don't need the president of the United States. We pray for him. But we thank the Lord that we know one that's above the president of the United States that will fight for me. You say, well, you know, you don't understand the labor union I'm in. Oh, they're a bunch of bums. They don't do anything. You don't understand the group of people I work with. They, they... Thank the Lord there's one that sits above them that rules supreme. And we look to him. And we have this promise. The Lord. So now you can go about whatever problem that you may face. Jehovah, the Lord, Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, my banner. The Lord will intervene for me in whatever way he seems fit, right, from generation to generation. And so as a conquering army flies its flag over the defeated foe, so Moses builds this altar declaring the victory of the Lord. We are thankful, are we not, if we know Christ as Savior, that whatever problem arises in our life, that we know the one who sits on the throne, that overrules all the events, all the circumstances, all the trials of life. Sometimes we get so caught up in the human end of it, but we fail to look up. And see that God is still on the throne. He will remember his own. Though burdens distress us and trials may press us, he never will leave us alone. God is still on the throne. He will not forsake his own. His promise is true. He will not forget you. For God is still on the throne. No matter what the trial comes in our, in our path, he proved it there in Amalek and the enemy, and he will prove it to be so in your life and mine. That no matter what the issue may be, no matter what the enemy may be, no matter how exalted that enemy may be, the Lord sits above them. God is still on the throne. He will remember his own. Though trials distress us and burdens may press us, God is still on the throne. And so we thank our God that he is still the same Lord. And so we end our lesson, right? How do you deal? How do I deal with problems on my journey? Well, can I tell you? First of all, if you're here this morning... And you don't know, God is some kind of far-off, impersonal figure to you. 
and you say, oh, I know the Lord. Yeah, I know the Lord. Most of us, the vast majority of people in this world know the Lord the, the way they know the President of the United States. They know of him, but they don't know him personally. You couldn't be invited over to President Obama's house for lunch, could you? You don't know him that well. But blessed be God, if you know the Lord as Savior, you have a personal relationship with him. You know him personally, and he knows you. My sheep know my voice. They know me. They follow me. There's a, a personal association, a personal companionship that the individual child of God knows. And you say, well, how can that be? I have a problem. I recognize that I'm a sinner. And I, 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 how could God deal with a sinner? How could God invite a sinner like me into his presence? Well, God has provided the solution. That's our first problem. Our first problem is we're sinners, but God has provided the solution in the person of Jesus Christ. When the Lord Jesus came into the world, he came into this world to save sinners. You know what the religious people of the Lord's day said to him? About him? Look at all those tax collectors and prostitutes around the Lord. <sighs> what kind of person is this? That hey, Look at this woman. She's a street woman and she's touching the Lord. The Lord came to save sinners. That's a wonderful thing. That's our chief problem is we're sinners. But Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Are you saved? That's our first problem. Now, if we know the Lord as Savior, life is not always a bed of roses. We looked a few weeks ago at Deuteronomy chapter 8. When the children of Israel, and we'll close with this, were going through the wilderness... God allowed these trials of hunger and thirst to come on them. And you might emphatically say, what? God was looking on, allowing his children to go through these trials? Yes. God permitted them to suffer hunger and thirst that he might make them know that man shall not live by bread alone but by every word. You see how important this book is? It's not some dry, old, dusty book. I've got more important things to do. Don't you tell me about the word of God. I tell you, just logical to me, and it should be to you, that as I go through life, listen, I didn't create myself. God gave me life. I want my instruction manual. This is life's instruction manual right here. I want to be in tune with my Lord that made me, and he gives me all that I need to know. He gives me all that pertains to life and godliness right here. So there are problems in life, yes. We're not discounting that. But we have the Lord, my banner, who will intercede for us. And in his own way, provide an answer. He is on the throne. He makes the call. And I trust him, Paul said. A Bible writer said, I have learned in whatever state I am therewith to be content. I know how to be full. I know how to be empty. Now that's saying a lot. But, but, but you don't know the issues that I face. Paul said, I, don't, I, I know how to be empty. Nothing to eat. Nothing to drink. No place to live. But the Lord standing by that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word. Praise the Lord for the word of God. Praise the Lord for the Lord who sits on high, the Lord 
our banner. So we can learn something from this, right? Problems. We're plagued with problems in life. But we bless our Savior's name that he ever lives to pray for us. He ever lives to make intercession for us. Our unseen Lord. This is not some imagination. God can't lie. It's in his book. The Lord, seated on high, intercedes for me. And he intercedes for you if you know him as your Savior. Let's close in a word of prayer. Our Father, we are grateful this morning for this valuable lesson in the life in the wilderness of Israel. Oh God, we thank you for recording it for us. We thank you for writing later that we can learn whatever things are written before time were written for our learning. Oh God, we pray that the Spirit of God may embed these truths on each and every one of our hearts. Help us, oh God, to... to to see things right, to see things truthfully, to see things honestly, to see things through the word of God. Lord, we thank you for what your word uh, it just gives us a fresh vision to see things, have different values in our life, to have different uh, desires, oh God. We thank you for it. We just pray, especially if there's one here this morning that does not know Christ as Savior. The Spirit of God will not leave them alone until they come to the understanding that they are guilty sinners that need the Savior. And for we who know the Lord Jesus, that we might take the word of God more serious. And thank you, Lord, that you ever live to make intercession for us and recognize the victory that we can have in our lives through Jesus Christ, our Lord, in his name. Amen.